What's up, puppets? Zach and Aaron are back with Cinema Enema. It's been a long time. Did you miss us? It's been like uh, some 1,800 weeks, bro. Mm -hmm. I missed us. Uh, It's actually been like two months. And the reason for that is, in the case that somebody likes these and doesn't listen to any of our other shows, Zach and I do the BTM podcast commentary, whatever you want to call it. Uh, That's weekly. And around the holidays, we have a total blitz uh, in celebration of each said holiday. You know, so we go hard for Halloween, we get thematic for November, and then of course we have to celebrate December right with Christmas shit. Uh, so basically, we decided to, to hold off for a couple months on these um, because I don't think we weren't doing Cinema Enema the previous holiday season, were we? No. So I think maybe we were just uh, ill prepared and juggling all of it together with the holiday stuff, but we'll be better about it next year, but it's okay. Cause now we got hopefully a lot of shit to talk about a lot of stuff. We watched in the last uh, couple of months. And, uh, this, this month, uh, is very special because it's my pick. And because we haven't recorded in so long, I feel like it's been forever since I've had a choice, right? Technically it has, uh, and this topic we'll get to soon, but we're going to kind of go through the motions on this show. We just kind of bullshit it's a little bit more streamlined. At the top of the hour, Zach and I like to get real and just chat about movies, what we've watched lately. We usually start with the news bits, then go into what we've been consuming, and then we'll get into the uh, the topic, which is which is a particular film that we'll get into. But let's get into news, Zach. So you didn't have any news you wanted to address. I have quite a few points, because it's been a bit. Hit me. All right, so... I know we're a little late to the party on this one, but this one's kind of big just because, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's still in theaters, but everybody is pissing in their own Cheerios about that new Star Wars, man. Really? Yeah, man. It's like, well, I don't know how much you know about all the shit. See, I'm going to go on record and say it again. I've said it on the podcast, uh, the commentaries, if you guys check that out, but I'm not like a Star Wars fan. I don't claim to be a Star Wars fan. Uh, I we could go back and erase Star Wars from existence, and I wouldn't even care. Now I'm not a hater either. I think they're just okay. Like I, I could sit down with people and watch them as a popcorn fucking fiesta bowl and just have a, a good enough time, right? It's fine. See, I think the best ones are just okay. The rest of them aren't. Well, I mean, that's just kind of me, man. Like you, you put me in front of the original trilogy. I mean, I could sit there. It's fine. I watched uh, the Force Awakens, and I watched uh, was it. Last Jedi. What was the last one called? I don't remember. Last Jedi, I think. Mm. And and they were whatever. I mean, I sat in the theater. I ate popcorn, and there was a lot of explosions. And a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, Leia's flying through space. That's so dumb." I'm like, I don't really give a fuck. It's just Star Wars to me. Like, why is this? Why is this dumb to people? It's Star Wars. Don't people do a lot of like weird, otherworldly shit in Star Wars? That's dumb, bro. That's dumb. I don't have the sentimental attachment to the franchise, I guess. And it's no different than the way I feel about Indiana Jones. I've said this a million times, but I didn't watch any of the Indiana Jones films until the crystal skull came out kingdom of the crystal skull that dropped in theaters. And a good buddy of mine at the time wanted to take me to see it, 
But when he found out I was an indie virgin, we sat down and watched a marathon all day. We watched all three back to back. And as soon as we wrapped, he found out you were an indie virgin. You found out he was just a normal virgin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's fucking ruthless, ruthless records. This is a buddy I, I, I caught jerking off my couch and it looked like he was going for his mouth. It was Dang. weird. But uh, anyway, I don't want to get off the path with that. But no, so as soon as we were done watching The Last Crusade, we literally left for the theater and, and watched uh, The Kingdom of the Christmas Skull. So I, I legit watched all four of them at the same time. I consumed the whole series all in one day. And so me having that perspective, I... I was like, with that new one, I'm like, it was another one. Everybody was so yeah. bent out of shape about it. Like, that was trash. And I'm like, for me, it was just kind of, I mean, maybe they vary in quality a little bit, but they're more or less consistent. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't see what you guys are in an uproar about. It's because these are guys that have sentimental attachment to it, that watched all that shit when they were little kids. Nothing's ever going to live up to the nostalgia. It's just not. The first Indiana Jones movie I tried to watch three or four times, I always lose interest. The same scene. The first one is not that good to me. I, it's just whatever. I mean, I would never, I've never watched them again. I watched uh, the second one, the, the Doom. I, I like that one better than the first one. No, you're not a medic or a rock. That yeah. fucking native I guy at the end. Still need to watch the other two. Now, all I could say is I watched all of them together, and I could say the one I enjoyed the most was The Last Crusade. Mm. Just because it was the funniest, and, and him and Sean Connery just kind of uh, trading jabs and quips at each other, you know, with father and son. It was humorous. It was, it was like a buddy movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one's the best one. If I ever watched another one again, it would probably be that one. But anyway, so... Everybody's losing their shit over that fucking new Star Wars movie because I don't know if they had some great hope because J.J. Abrams was coming back to do it again. A new hope. Yeah. If you will. Exactly. Because Ryan Johnson took over the reins in the second one. But the way it seems like they've marketed, I haven't seen this one yet, but supposedly there's enough fucking plot to stretch six movies in this one movie, which doesn't sound fucking good. It sounds to me like... They're saying, oh, hey, look, I know we fucked up with that last one, but we're going to fucking fix it with this one. That's not how you make a franchise. That's not how you make a series. Isn't that funny that like, oh, uh, fucking uh, they do the Marvel movies too, Disney, and uh, the Marvel movies are so well planned out. And then you can tell like with with the Star Wars movie, they had no fucking idea where they were going with it. That's funny. Yeah, because they basically kind of retconned. From what I hear, they've retconned the last one because (laughs) Ryan Johnson took the ball from J.J. Abrams and fucked up everything he started. And so See, if they gave me the reins, the first scene I'm shooting is fucking Chewie blowing a fat ass nut on fucking Leia's face. What if that was the pre-credit roll scene? That would be great. That would- and uh, people would be even more offended because like you CG'd her face and brought her back just to have Chewie blow a fat ass nut on it. Dude. And I believe, exactly. You didn't see it coming, did you? Neither did she. People's minds would be blown. And I, I don't know why what they I'm sure the word would get. I mean, they'd probably be wondering what the fuck was up. As soon as they bought that R-rated Star Wars ticket. Yeah, they'd be like, what the fuck is with this new guy with uh, controlling the helms at fucking Disney Star Wars headquarters? <laughs> but, you know, you hit it on the head when you talked about their connections as, as far as them putting together the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff like that. Yeah, they sit there and Kevin. Well, they're different people. What's Kathleen? Is it Kathleen Kennedy? Is that her name that uh, runs Star Wars now? And then, yeah, Kevin Feige, I think his name is. He's the guy that 
puts all the Marvel shit together. And he's done a great job, I guess, right? He's has all the foresight and everything at least connects for better or worse. Everything's interwoven. But this Kathleen Kennedy, I think that's her name. She is different. Like they, from what I hear, I, I think there was some podcasts I was listening to or some other sources I was reading where there was like some insiders or somebody that worked on the movies that basically said that it's like, they didn't plan out anything. It's like JJ Abrams. He did the first movie and they were just doing like a, a, a relay race type of style. Look here, you take it now. Like, okay, like relay riding. And then the next guy fucked it up, like really just fucked it up big time. And and now you got J.J. Abrams coming back and just trying to trying to fill in an ending to, to kind of make it all right. Did the second guy fuck it up or did he just try to get it off of the fucking like set path you knew it was going to go down? Yeah, no. I, yeah, I'm just kind of speaking on behalf of people that watch the movie. It's I, I agree. I watched it. And I'm like, you know what? Besides this giant midsection where they're at this like casino planet that was extremely boring, the movie was fine. I'm like, it's another Star Wars movie. I don't understand. But yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the first one was a beat by beat remake of the first movie. Force Awakens mm-hmm. was, right? So that's... Which made me think they were just all going to be remaking the that movie in the series, like that trilogy. So it was a bit of a surprise when uh, The Last Jedi was pretty... Uh, <laughs> you know, not conventional, but anyway, so to me, it sounds like walking into this one. If I go to see it, if I see it eventually, it sounds like the first and third movie are going to have relations. And the second one's going to be this bastard child, kind of like Indiana Jones, because Temple of Doom's kind of this weird separate thing, you know, but the, the first, the first one and the third one, they, they have to do with the Nazis. And I, I want to say there's reference to the uh, lost Ark and all that shit. They're more connected, right? that bastard movie anyway that's all i want to talk about on that i just think they shot themselves in the foot they had a multi-billion dollar property disney acquired on their hands and they just exhausted the fuck out of people i might not be part of that fan base but they do have that fan base that looked upon that series with magical starry eyes and i think they've caused that franchise to lose a lot of luster with those people you know it's just not special anymore you have a whole you have a series you have three movies that I think, what, go to like 1985 was when Return of the Jedi was. And then you don't have another movie for, what, 14, 15 years? That's, the anticipation was real. Then, of course, they dropped the ball on that shit with those prequels. Don't, I mean, don't get me started. Those movies are not good. Those movies, I can tell, even as an outsider, are fucking subpar. They're, they're not good. Um, and then you have a few years between that second uh, trilogy of flicks. Now you got these just wham, bam, 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 bam every year. And then you got prequels and shit in between it. You got Star Wars series on on streaming channels. And I don't know. I, I'm tired of it. And I don't even give a shit. You know what I mean? They're dumb for not seeing that coming. Yeah. I mean, well, the Star Wars fatigue. They were like, well, it works with Marvel. I mean, I'm surprised it mm-hmm. hasn't happened to Marvel, but people keep fucking chewing into it. But they just thought they could redo it. Like, oh, it's, you know, these people, these bottom feeders we'll fucking just eat all the shit we throw at them just like they do with Marvel. So we'll just do it with star Wars. You know, it's the equivalent of uh, the dad. When you get your dad, the same shirt every year for Christmas and he opens it up and he's like, Oh yeah. He's so excited about that same shirt. Maybe he's even wearing the shirt you, you bought him on while he opens it. It's like, Oh, I always wanted a brand new one of the same shirt. And he he got a massless chaps instead. Oh, that's what he would have wanted. Yeah. Okay. So enough with that. Uh, next news. Uh, this one's really recent. Netflix announced a howling remake with Andy Muschietti. I think that's how you say his name. I have no idea. Muschietti spaghetti. I don't fucking know the guy that directed it. That's all I know. He, I guess he's going to do the remake. Like I said, on Netflix, I don't think they're going to make it any more boring than it already was before. I don't, I don't think he could do any harm. 
I think there's really only up to go because yeah. I don't think that I, I liked that they they thought the movie was so boring they had to use a, a screenshot from American Werewolf in London to sell it rather than from The Shining. The Shining, you mean The Howling? Or the yeah, The Howling, whatever. That would have been even more random if they would have used something from The Shining, but The Shining's a better movie. Exactly. So uh, that's a thing. I I don't like what he did with it. I'm still not a fan of it. I haven't seen Chapter Two. Zach says it Chapter Two is better, but the general population, the general consensus, says it's not as good. So I said it was better in a B movie way, though. So there's a qualifier. Okay. So I I still want to see it, but I'm totally just gonna wait till it's streaming. Uh, but whatever. It's on Netflix, so I don't have to pay for it. That means I'll watch it. I'll watch the Howling remake. Why not? If it's free for me to stream. Well, you know, with my subscription. Uh, other news bit. Escape from L.A. is finally getting a Screen Factory release. Getting closer and closer to knocking out that uh, John Carpenter filmography. I think they're missing Dark Star. And uh, I know there's one more. At least one more. But they've almost got all of them. And I love Escape from L.A. To me, Escape from L.A. is kind of like what Gremlins 2 was to the original Gremlins, a, a self-aware parody of the first one, which was a, a little more serious, right? Uh, I don't fucks with Escape from L.A. You don't like it? No. I love it. It's Once you sort of suspend all that shit and you accept it for a hokey fucking ride with dated as fuck CG, it's a good time, man. I mean... Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken, has to shoot hoops for his life. And he makes it. Mm-hmm. He makes that fucking hoop, dude. Uh, it's so over the top and stupid. You got Peter Fonda, <laughs> Peter Fonda surfing on the side of the turnpike, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's the weirdest fucking thing. The movie's so over the top. It's hard for me not to like. I like it. I don't remember any of it. It's as if the fucking, uh, the, the men in black came in after I watched it and fucking shot me with that light thingy. It's. <laughs> It's more or less, you know, sequelitis, but I think it's a self-aware sequelitis. You know, they kind of remake with similar beats of the first one, but they move them to L.A., right? And now it's just a big parody of itself. And I don't know. I find it enjoyable, and I, it's a, it's it's not even a guilty pleasure. I don't give a fuck. Have you? Uh, were we talking about? We were talking about the the thing where he met Bruce Campbell, right? Woodshed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole news bit's mm-hmm. funny. I'm just hoping. Uh, every single Carpenter, Russell, uh, Blu-ray they've put out so far has had a commentary with both of them together. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this is no different. If it has that commentary, I mean, we're in for a treat. So, I mean, I, I think when they get together, they're always really a hoot. So, I dig it, man. I fucks with it. Uh, <laughs> Mel Brooks is producing a live Young Frankenstein musical for ABC. Will they stop with these fucking things, please? Uh-huh. They're they're cringy. What what was the last one? Was you no know, Christmas story? What are the ones? What's the one they just had? I don't know. Fucking all in the family or something. They they keep making these live action Fo- between Fox and ABC. They keep putting on these live televised musicals of famous movies or TV shows. And I don't know anybody that really likes them. It's always the next day after they aired live again. I'll say, you know, they just become fucking memes and everybody makes fun of them. Like they did a live uh, ABC. Okay, the last one I think they did was Little Mermaid. They did a live performance adaptation of Little Mermaid, and it is live on ABC. And you know, like they got fucking uh, Shaggy to play Sebastian the Crab. Hell yeah, Matthew Lillard. I fucks with Matthew. What? He's my homeboy, Matthew Lillard. That's his name. 
Shaggy, yeah. Oh, fucking Shaggy the singer. Oh, fuck that fucking guy. He gonna hold a candle to Shaggy. It wasn't he me. Don't know shit. Him and Shaggy too dope. I want to see them all getting a fight in the real Shaggy, the superior Shags. He will uh, reign supreme. Yeah. Anyway, I think the Matthew Lillard. I think those are terrible, man. Uh, and last little news bit. I think it's been a slow news couple of weeks here. A uh, couple of news weeks. Uh, your favorite movie, Zach got a trailer released i think uh, yesterday or something like that and they released a poster and new images the boy too how stoked are you how pumped are you i thought you were talking about like fucking the new bill and ted or something i was not, like all excited for- not nah, dude the return of the return of brahms dude the boy too yeah i don't give a fuck yeah i still won't watch it zach said it was really shit aka bootleg fucking bad ronald part two <laughs> uh, bill and ted did get screenshots more screenshots yeah, we saw them hanging out with their uh, daughters, baby. So I want to see Bill and Ted fucking their daughters while I watch. I want to say that the photos they got, that's fucked up. I, you, you see how I just kind of like drove past that? I didn't even give any two thoughts. It <laughs> caught up with me a little later because that's what I do. I got the Zach filter on. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you t- totally got me fucking thinking about it now. I got to get that off my head. We know what kind of fucking hard as a rock. We know what kind of foreign Zach frequents. No, but I wanted to say the pictures that you're talking about where it's got them and their daughters in the same frame and it looks like they're in a garage or something, right? Uh, Like maybe Mm -hmm. their kids have a band together now, right? Mm -hmm. Which it all looks really good to me. I I know it's probably just photography like from the set, but I really hope the the movie itself looks that colorful and vibrant like the first two movies. Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, not that long ago. I was like, man, I hope it uh, it has that Bill and Ted feel. I hope it just doesn't seem like a fucking, uh, you know, just random movie shot. And then I I realized, like, I only think there's a Bill and Ted feel because I grew up watching them. There probably isn't one. No, I... <laughs> like, there's probably no luck to these movies. I just don't want it to be a dirty, dingy... I hate how, you know, like, the Michael Bay green tint. I just... A lot of movies want to be dark these days. and just I don't know what it is. It's, I don't think they'll do that, yeah. I'm just saying, the way those pictures were taken, I know they were just photos, but all the colors are very vibrant, down to what they're wearing and outside. I just hope it is represented in the film, because I think the the first coup, the movies are like that to me. Uh, they're mm. really colorful. But we saw death in a picture. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. Death is getting older and they're not gonna address it. Who cares? It's funny. And <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe they will. <laughs> Hopefully. He went to the moon at some point. Maybe this is after he came back. Maybe the moon the the, the rays. Yeah, uh, see he's uh he's from hell, so it, it deals with it differently. Do you think they're gonna address all those newspaper prints at the end of uh, part two? Like as Yeah, that's what I was pointing <laughs> Are they gonna be canon? Are they gonna be canon? I don't know, yeah. I don't know. It's pretty funny. But yeah, that's the real that's the real news everybody should be talking about is Bill and Ted. I think that, that comes out this year, right? Third quarter mm-hmm. is it fourth quarter? When does it come out? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Anyway, that'll be fucking sweet. It's almost kind of hard to believe it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that damn thing for fucking over a decade, if not longer. I exactly. I think actually you know what? I might be overreaching on this, but I want to say they were talking about this shit when I was in high school. I remember like uh, back when I watched the first one and then like, you know, a year or so later, whenever I found out the second one existed and finally watched that, I thought like, man, I got to be the guy that makes uh, Bill and Ted part three. I thought the only way that was going to happen is if I became a director and I did it like nobody else is going to fucking do that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's kind of like how I wrote a, a fan script for Rambo five. Then those fuckers went ahead and made Rambo five. <laughs> we'll just get, you know, so easily that five will turn into a six. Not really. But. No, I think uh, I remember 
working my first job at Toys R Us and I bought one of the only things I bought with my paychecks. I bought Bill and Ted on DVD, the original. I don't, I, maybe the second one wasn't out yet or something on DVD because DVD was still kind of the new thing. Uh, but I bought that and I want to say around that same fucking time, there was some kind of blurbs being said about, you know, somebody throwing around ideas for Bill and Ted three. Like, you know, there's been a million scripts thrown around by different writers over the years. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Alex Winter, he's the Dan Aykroyd to Ghostbusters with this fucking series, you know? The guy that's really screaming for it to be made, but you got Keanu Reeves, who's basically Bill Murray, that's got a whole bunch of other shit to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I don't if I if I make time, give me two decades. It always seemed like he, they were both willing to. It was just like money. They needed a script in the right place at the right time. It all had to fall together. And right. for a reason that's beyond me, uh, it seemed like nobody was interested in backing it. I mm-hmm. think that was one of the excuses for a while because this has been going on for years. And at one point, I think Alex Winter did say, you know, we're, they were having trouble getting people to, to fund. I don't know who eventually backed it, but they were having trouble getting the money. Nobody wanted to now, take. Now Keanu Reeves is a big name again. And now like uh, fucking nostalgia is big. Well, I want to say, did they finally green? Did it finally get picked up and greenlit after the first uh, John Wick premiered? After the second one came out, I think is when it finally did. When it got what they were talking when about. When it got greenlit, the first yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe his resurgence and his pull and his like, you know, he was probably really championing and getting it made, right? I guess it was all timing. So, uh, I mean, they were uh, they weren't doing that when Keanu Reeves was really big in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. But but that's that was his Bill Murray period in the late nineties. That was. Uh, I'm too busy doing fucking Groundhog Day and shit now. You know, like he's doing a million movies, right? Mm-hmm. Now and then now, Bill Bill Murray he eventually got to that period where oh now I'm just gonna do indie movies because I'm not really doing these big movies anymore. You know, they kind of always go through those phases. But he's so big now they fucking they, they brought back the Matrix for him and it's gonna premiere he, right when the new John Wick. So, premieres. So I I'm sure those dates will change, but yeah, they were announced on the same exact day. Keanu will be competing mm-hmm. with Keanu. Uh, which if you're a Keanu diehard, I think people will go see both of them. People will have double features. You're going to have to fucking clone yourself so you can go watch them both at the same time. But I, I, even though they're different studios, they'll, they'll change. Somebody will change it and pull out. No one's going to allow that. Um, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about the matrix. So the choice is easy for me, but I liked, uh, John wicks. I, John, I like John wick three a lot. I liked, uh, one, two, they're all three are good, but John Wick three. You want to see that John Wick thick dick? I want to see that John thick. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to be cool. Uh, all right. And now Zach, let's go into what we've been watching. It's been a fucking ton of time since we've done this a couple of months. So we've probably both watched tons of movies that are, uh, noteworthy. I'm just going to go over the highlights. So maybe Zach, you should do that too. Like a recent, whatever you want to do. So we don't eat up too much time. Mm-hmm. What you been watching, man? Bye. I've been going through and watching a bunch of TV shows, uh, the, the, like the end of last year and like so far this year. I watched uh, all of Channel Zero. You ever hear of that show? Mm-mm. It's like American Horror Story, but uh, they're all based on like the internet creepypastas. Oh, great. And uh, they're on the sci-fi channel and uh, it got canceled after season three. But uh, I actually liked, uh, like, season two, uh, I think, was probably my favorite. Uh, season one had a really cool and interesting idea, but it didn't stick the landing all that great. So it it didn't seem as great, even though I kind of think all the freaking uh, American Horror Story seasons never really stick the ending very good. 
And uh, I think my least uh, favorite season was like season three, and it had uh, Rucker Hauer in there. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but I'd say I I disliked it. And uh, yeah, I got all caught up, and I was like, okay, now whenever uh, it comes back on, I can DVR it. And then I found out, oh, it got canceled, probably because no one was watching it. Hmm. Any notable films? I know you've talked, if you guys listen to the podcast, you've talked ad nauseum about fucking uncut gems, but you know, you might want to just briefly touch on that because you love that. I watched uncut gems. I made a list of like my favorite first time watches of the year. I could go through that if you want. It's not just movies that came out this year. Also movies I watched for the first time this year. It's not that long. Okay, go for it. I got Midsummer, Uncut Gems, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Don't Fuck With Cats. Tell me who I am. You ever watched that documentary on Netflix? No. Watch that. It's that's uh, the one with the twins, right? Yeah, it's fucking uh, crazy. Joker's on there. Lords of Chaos. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty. Whatever that is, forty nine. Whiplash. Uh, the Master. Uh, Amore. Uh, Doubt that made it. That movie you didn't like. <laughs> I have doubts. So it ends. Exactly. I have those. Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, I, I watched my first Wes Anderson movie, Rushmore. Uh, that made it on my list. Eh. Uh, I, I thought it was fun. Well, I think I think Rushmore is considered to be... I think that's the one that broke him, really. And I think it's considered to be one of his better ones. I, I just... I decided that his humor is not for me. I've seen... Uh, I think parts of that. I've seen uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, because I love Bill Murray. I've seen a handful of them, and I'm like, you know, I, I want to like it. I like the people he puts in his movies, but just, I don't know, the tone of all of them is very consistent. And it's just not just not my thing. Mm. Yeah. And then Pads of Glory. That was the last one on the list. Do you have a favorite? If you could pick a favorite in there. Um, let me see here, baby. Um, that's tough. Fucking uh, Midsummer was my favorite movie of the year, and that's pretty divisive too. Like I, some I've I read online, I haven't watched it. People just shit on that. Some people love it. Some people are like that was fucking trash. It's kind of like the witch effect, right? Or hereditary, like yeah. you like you love it or you fucking hate it, right? Yeah. Well, I'll have to see that. That's got to be streaming anytime soon because, but because is it the same guy that did Hereditary? Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Okay, Hereditary. Like as soon as that was out of theaters, man, that was streaming on Amazon. Amazon. They probably have a similar deal worked out. It might already be on there, so I'll have to check it out. I'll just kind of. I've watched more movies in the last two months, two or three months than I did for the previous year. So I watched a lot. So I'm just gonna go over a couple of things that I think were uh, noteworthy. Uh, I watched Lean on Me. You ever see that? It's a movie with Morgan Freeman from the 80s. I think it was like 88. I was thinking Stand By Me. Yeah, I know. It's not Stand By Me. And Lean On Me. And of course, they got the fucking song in there. Right? But it's a... Of course. It's, that's a dank song. It's, 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 it's this classic story we've seen a lot of troubled youth. And a guy comes into the school, a troubled high school with a lot of gang violence and straightens him up. Right? We've seen that with... You saw that later in like 94 with Dangerous Minds. You saw that with... I uh, gotta get through these kids. Gotta reach these kids. Stand and deliver. Uh, this, but this one's good. This one's also based on a true story. I think they all are. I think uh, this must happen a fucking lot, I guess, but I enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was a good flick and, uh, 
I don't know. Sometimes I wish there was a in between on a letterbox for seven and eight, but th- I, I went ahead and I sometimes I round it. This is an this is an eight, solid eight. It was a good flick. Morgan Freeman was very good in it. It was it was pre white hair Freeman, and he he had less freckles on his face. You know now now his freckles are becoming three dimensional, right? <laughs> but I thought that was good. Um, I won't stay on this very long. I finally watched that last X-Men movie. That was notable because that was coming out just as the Disney acquisition was happening with Fox and that movie was coming out from Fox. So because they were getting bought, they, you know, why would they bother putting any promotional money? Why would Fox bother fucking promoting the new X-Men when they're, when the company's being handed over? So the movie kind of got tossed by the wayside. It bombed, it tanked. Nobody talked about it. I think I saw like one, like talk show like spot for it you know an interview type thing and uh yeah but that last one x-men apocalypse was a dog shit it was terrible this one it wasn't the best x-men movie but it was definitely better than the last one it was if you guys like those movies it was a solid uh fuck i don't know three Solid. But that last one was shit, dog shit. And I always grew up, growing up, I loved Apocalypse, and I loved that storyline, I loved that character, and talk about dropping the ball. So this one's solid, you guys should watch it. Um, Zach and I brought this up, or I brought it up. Have you watched Togo yet, Zach? I haven't, it's on my list now, though. One of the best. I gave Togo, man, I think I was being too hard on it. I gave it, I gave it a 9 out of 10, you know, but I'm like, just because I always have a you know, you want to resist giving something a 10 because I always feel like if I give something a 10, I, for some reason, I feel like I can't go back on that or something like it's permanent. Like, Oh, I'm going to regret it. Like I'll I'll think about it. I'd rather, I'd rather give it a little less and then go back and change my mind to higher than lower later, you know? Uh, But Mm -hmm. I gave it a nine when I saw it, it might even be a 10, you know, for what it's trying to be. It's a really good fucking movie. And I love it because it's the kind of movie it's it's a Disney Plus original, by the way. It's the kind of movie that Disney will not put in theaters anymore. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the '90s when they made a lot of live action movies based off true story, right? You know, Iron Will and shit like that. You know, those movies, animal movies. Mm-hmm. They don't do them anymore. So, whatever. Now they have a streaming service, and if they're going to utilize that to kind of make movies like that and make originals, I, that's fine with me. I don't even like going to the theater anymore, anyway. Fucking win win. Mm-hmm. This movie's great. Willem Dafoe stars in it. I'm not used to him being like a leading man. Like he carries all the weight in the movie, right? He's usually mm-hmm. a support guy or, you know, with somebody else or something. Uh, but it's the true story of the relay that took place that Balto's based off of. If you guys mm-hmm. are into Balto and all that shit, that animated movie, Balto! The- <laughs> But anyway, basically, this is the true story. Uh, apparently, this dog named Togo, his sled uh, in, within the relay really went the distance. It went the most out of anybody. You know, like it trounced. Like they really are the ones that defied the odds in the sled. Uh, the sled. Uh, what do you call it? Sled driver? Sled runner? I don't fucking know. Willem Dafoe. Uh, but he passed it off, you know, to somebody else because it was a relay. And then fucking Balto is just the last one. He like took, right? He took the mm-hmm. medicine to help the kids in this town in Alaska. And he was just kind of like the one that crossed the finish line per se. But really, he just went like 20, 30 miles. Whereas fucking Togo in the tundra, a dangerous blizzard, defying odds, they went hundreds. So it's a really good fucking story. And if you like dogs, which I know Zach does, I mean, this motherfucker cries at Homeward Bound. Right, mm-hmm. dude, I'm not even like the biggest 
I like animals, but I'm not like I don't own pets, so I'm not like a hugely sentimental person. I don't really cry at old yeller like a lot of people do because I never had that relationship with animals. But this one, dude, got me. This one, like, will have you weeping a bit. It's it's pretty pretty good. So, and and you should know how good it is because I talked about that one more than I did the previous movies. Uh, I watched Dolomite as my name finally. Hell yeah, we both like that one. Yeah, you know what? That one. Ooh, I gave that an eight. Fuck, dude. I mean, maybe over time I could see that even going up. It was such a fun movie. Uh, I, I want to watch mm-hmm. it again, and then uh, I'll reevaluate mm-hmm. them. But it was a it was a very good movie, very fun movie. And Zach hit it on the head perfectly on our commentaries. He stated, or no, I don't know if it's on the commentaries or Mac and Zach, but somewhere you stated that it's kind of like what uh, the disaster art should have been. Disaster artist, mm-hmm. right? You know, you go in, you watch the disaster artist, the making, uh, the story about the making of the room. And you think it's going to inspire you to go out and make a movie yourself because, hey, this fucking imbecile did it. I can too. But not really. The Disaster Artist is good enough. It's fun. It's okay. It's decent. But it doesn't give you those vibes. Dolomite does. Mm -hmm. Dolomite does. It really does, man. It's like, dude, these fucking guys, they really put this shit together. And and, uh, so I gave that an 8 out of 10. And I actually went back and I watched the original, the the Dolomite from the 70s. Goofy fucking movie. Yeah, it's, it's like a fucking two it's like a five out of ten it's just or you know four or five out of ten i don't remember what i rated it probably like apparently it's the worst in the series apparently like human tornadoes good like uh shaolin dolomite there's like three or four of them but i could tell you know it, it like i said it's a middle of the road it, it was hammy enough to where i don't give it less than a five but i appreciate it because i watched dolomite is my name first I don't know what I would have given it if I hadn't, but like, if you guys have seen Dolomite is my name, go watch the original. It's on Amazon Prime right now, but uh, Dolomite is my name is the much better movie. But I think you know you'll get more enjoyment if you if you link the two. Uh, and it's funny because they basically rehashed and remade all the best scenes and most of the damn movie in Dolomite is my name. Mm-hmm. They gave you like the expedited version of everything that happens in it. Uh, and I finally got around to watching the Crying Game. Mm-hmm. Finally got around to watching that. I got to say, maybe Adrian Mendoza, one of our listeners, uh, he's going to be stoked to hear that. I thought it was a good flick. I think uh, without the twist and all the controversy that was surrounding the movie, the narrative itself is good. You know, I'd say for me, I gave it a seven out of 10. It might even be a little higher than that. I just, I think where I differ a seven and an eight, where I draw that line is, will I watch it again? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like may- maybe yeah. most seven and eights are just equally good movies, but maybe an eight's a movie I might revisit. Uh, but but the Crying Game was good, and we all know about that twist. It's it's part of pop culture at this point. So Zach, you know about the twist. If you watch the flick, I'd say to get the most enjoyment out of it, try and find somebody that ha- doesn't know the twist, and you can kind of watch their expressions, kind of look at their face, be like, do they do they notice it? Do they see it? Do they-? And then watch their face when the reveal happens, because uh, I mean. I don't know. Shit, spoilers. The movie's been out for 30 years. I wasn't expecting them to reveal the dick like that. I've never seen the movie, so I'm not yeah. sure. I want to watch it, though. You should watch it. Okay. So, like, I knew it was coming, but it still didn't quite prepare me with how they did it. It's a total, like, uh, fucking uh, sleepaway camp situation reveal. <laughs> well, no, because sleepaway camp builds up. Okay, this is different. It's just as shocking, but they, even though I knew it was coming, they still caught me off guard with it. Did the dick come? 
No, <laughs> no, but that's what I mean. Like they still caught me off guard with it, even though I was expecting it. Whereas sleepaway camp, they get you right at the fucking end and then credits. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like a spill. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's good. It's a good flick. Um, but my favorite movie that I've watched probably in the last couple of months is probably Blade Runner 2049. I finally fucking watched it. Hell yeah. You know what? That mo- And I don't even like Ryan Gosling. I'm usually not a fan of his. Yeah. He doesn't talk a lot in this movie. I mean, the movies that I've seen him in, like Drive and stuff like that, he has little to no dialogue. No one gives a fuck about him. The, the, the person I remember from that movie is the hot chick from uh, that was in the fucking uh, the Reeves movie. Eli Roth movie with the Reeves. Oh, yeah. Well, 2049 Blade Runner. Man, he was good in it. And it was one of those things where he didn't say much. He didn't have to. And the whole movie is all about atmosphere. There's not a lot of dialogue, period. And the cinematography is really like a star. It's beautiful to look Mm -hmm. at. It's not a movie that bores you. And it's long as fuck. The movie's like at least two and a half Mm -hmm. hours. I think it's with credits. It's like two hours and 45 minutes. It's long. But- Mm -hmm. I it didn't slog for me. I was entertained. My eyes were just going all over the place. Every it was like a Kubrick film. It's like when you're watching The Shining, every shot in The Shining is gorgeous. It's a work of art. The cinematography is beautiful. The set pieces are beautiful. Everything about it. That's the way this flick was. I'm really looking. I got a new TV in my guest bedroom, uh, man cave. That's what I've. I'm recording in a new room now, but I got I got to put it up. But I can't wait to watch that movie again on this big fucking setup because it's just gonna pop. I, I like movies like that that are really colorful. Not every movie has to be dark and fucking drab. I mean, bring out some vibrance. And I think, come at me, bros. I, it was better than the original. Zach and I, we've done Cinema Anima on the first one, and we both kind of agreed. I think it's a movie we both kind of wish we liked more, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and we would like to revisit. I love the whole neo-noir thing. I like, uh, I love the story. I think on paper, it's fantastic. There's just something about the delivery, right? There's just something that got lost along the way. You know, maybe it's all the fucking multiple edits. Maybe it's injecting fucking legend horses into it. The fucking thing didn't know what it was by the end of his life. I don't know. But on paper, it's great. The idea, the themes, everything about it's great. It just kind of misses the mark somewhere. This movie nailed it. I fucking love it. I really did like it. And uh, and I kind of thought... When Harrison Ford was going to show up, because Zach, you've mentioned this. It, I knew when he was going to show up as soon as he kind of landed in Vegas, because we've seen the trailer. When they were pitching the movie, mm-hmm. they showed where he was going to run into him. So I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to run into him. Like you said that they showed too much in that trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been better if that was just kind of like we didn't know he was going to show up and then he just kind of did. Yeah. Like, Making you go in expecting him, like, uh, yeah, just uh, took something out of it. Even though I didn't care that he was in it. Like, I didn't think the movie got any better when he showed up. It was just like he he just showed up. Okay. Well, I think uh, I was expecting him to be in total I don't give a fuck mode like he was in Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. But no. That's what you expect when you see him now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But this one, no, I I didn't feel that. I felt like he gave, well, he didn't give, he didn't say a lot, you know, because Deckard was just like the the Ryan Gosling guy where they were very little on words and everything else. But I thought he gave more of a fuck in this one than he did in the first one. The first one, he didn't feel like, I didn't feel like he gave much of a fuck in that movie. And that's, that's one of the things that hurts the original. You got Rutger Hauer out acting the shit out of him. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. But anyway, 
And I also think, yeah, it would have been great if they would have withheld him being in the movie in the trailers and it would have been a surprise, but they didn't want to take the risk, man. They're like, well, we got to, we got to have him in the trailer. We got to sell some legitimacy behind this sequel. And it didn't pay off because the movie still kind of bombed. Yeah. But they didn't want to take the chance. It's like, that's the, that's the people who make the trailers are not the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. You know, the studios hire somebody else to put that shit together because, you know, that's that's where they come in. So it's like, OK, well, we want to protect our assets. We got to make a trailer. You know, what's even worse than like seeing like a, a freaking like bad movie with a good trailer. Oh, fuck. I just gave that away. That is a, they can make a fucking bad movie look really good now. Like all the time you see these really good looking trailers and then the movie sucks. Yeah. I you can't trust the trailer now. I'm not the biggest fan of trailers anymore. I, I, I don't like fucking they're like, they've gone the way of the music video for me. I never liked music videos. I don't need a music video to tell me what a song means. I don't need a fucking trailer to give me, you know, first impressions of a movie. Cause like most of the time they just ruin it. They show you way too much because fucking the people that want to make the money, they want to pick out all the crucial best shit that looks cool in a trailer, but mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck. I don't really know how much context these people have of what part in a story this is I, I don't know what it is but i don't even think they get to watch the whole movie i think they just get a collection of scenes yeah so it might be like uh who knows yeah what's the other movie that they did that with? oh case in point that last star trek movie star trek beyond right everybody mm-hmm. was tearing up that trailer because it was so on star trek and they basically because the, the star trek beyond was directed by justin lynn which is uh, the guy that revived the Fast and Franch- Fast and Furious franchise. And because mm-hmm. it was J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams who did them before. And it literally, the trailer looked like a Fast and Furious movie. I remember it too. Like when it came out, yeah, people were like, oh yeah, the, the fucking, uh, them putting that Beastie Boys song, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not so out of left field as I thought it would be while watching the trailer. It, the, the, I remember a lot of people saying they liked that movie. Out of those, out of those newer movies, the most. Well, uh, I don't know. I think people pretty much sucked the dick of the second one. I've never seen any of them, but yeah, everybody was saying though the Beastie Boys track was out of place. It seemed like a high octane movie, and I think that was another case where they ruined the fucking plot in the trailer. Like you mm-hmm. could tell, like okay, the Enterprise gets fucking destroyed again, and now we're on a distant another planet. Like they gave you way too much. That's what everybody was telling me. And even Simon Pegg, he voiced, he was in on it. Every he was on Twitter. When the fucking trailer dropped saying how shitty of a trailer it was. Like, what the fuck is this? You know? Uh, and he wrote the movie. Mm-hmm. Simon Pegg wrote that one. He didn't write the other ones. Um, Would you uh, let Simon Pegg peg you, though? No. I know a person that's pegged somebody. It was not a fun, pleasant listening experience. Because they told me the story. It is fun. Oh, I watched... Uh, well, it's it's in relation in relation to this fucking movie we're going to do tonight. I wa- Kind of. I watched uh, The Pope of Greenwich Village, finally. Uh, have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. Okay. Mickey Rourke, who stars in our feature tonight, and Eric uh, Roberts. Now, the movie itself is a good movie. It's a good flick. I gave it, you know, I was teetering between like a seven and eight. I ultimately gave it an eight, but it's a good flick. I think the story itself is not unlike a story like Mean Street. You know, it ta- you know it's about uh, sharks, loan sharks and shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think on paper, the movie's kind of been done before, or somebody could have taken this story, made it really shitty, but it's one of those things where Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts are so fucking good in the movie, they elevate it, right? Mm-hmm. You could have given it to somebody, and Mickey Rourke, and I'll go, we'll go into this when we get to talking about our flick of the hour, but I think he's fucking underrated, man. He was so good, 
And I, I don't know what the fuck happened with the guy, but he was so good. And he made everything he was in better, even if it was just sort of like whatever. So, and Eric Roberts, man, that's kind of what burst him onto the scene. And I guess it was a really respected performance. Then somewhere along the line, he kind of got regulated to being in like these B movies, right? But mm. he's awesome in, in the Pope of Greenwich Village because he's so fucking over the top. Over the top to where it's like, you don't know. If, it's not bad. It's just way fucking ham, but it's great. It's great for the flick. Uh, so I really like that. Uh, really quick. I'm just going to burn through these. I watched that movie Booksmart, a.k.a. the uh, uh, Gen, what are we, Gen Y, Gen Z version of fucking Superbad with girls. The mm. PC generation. It was whatever. I gave it like a three. I, I didn't really get a lot of the, the humor wasn't for me because it was pretty much preaching to people in high school and middle school now. It was a lot of jokes that cater to today. I'm like, I, I, I don't relate to this, but it was whatever. Uh, I watched The Commuter with Liam Neeson. Uh, the guy who directed that, I can't think of his name. He's the guy that did Unknown. He's worked with Liam Neeson a lot. It's it's really over the top. It's just an over the top fucking like uh, crime thriller set on a commuter train. And it's kind of cool. It's like B-movie, but it knows it's a B-movie. Like everything's over the top and, and kind of silly. Uh but I liked it. I gave it a solid uh, seven out of ten. It was cool. Uh, I lastly I watched Pacific Heights. It's an older movie from 1990, I believe. It's got Michael Keaton, Matthew Modine, and uh, what's her fucking face, uh, Melanie Griffith. Oh, uh, I remember that movie. Yeah, it's a solid flick. It's a solid flick. It's I gave it a seven out of ten. But once again, that's because Michael Keaton's so fucking likable. But he's kind of the bad guy in this, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's weird because the movie sells itself like it's going to be way darker than it is. But you kind of find out like, I don't know, I just the bad guy, his means to an end, his his end game isn't quite as evil as it should be. He's not like some guy that wants to murder people. It's more of like, hey, I, I want to fuck you guys out of what you got. I want to take everything. Out. But it's a solid flick. Um, but anyway, that's that's the most recent stuff I've caught. I got one movie I can mention. What? Around, uh, I saw like a long lost uh, fucking uh, horror movie that I'd never heard of before that came out in '89. Thanks to Shudder, like out of nowhere, I just they put up uh, the movie Game Over, uh-uh. aka Dial Code Santa Claus. Never seen it. It's uh, French and it's basically Home Alone before Home Alone existed. Rock on. About a kid hanging out at home, fucking uh, killer Santa Claus comes by. Yeah. I forgot to mention that I, I started watching that Netflix Dracula miniseries last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's only a three-part, and each episode's about an hour and a half. Uh, so I imagine it's just going to wrap up and totally end in, in three episodes. I don't fucking know. But uh, it was funny is I was holding off a few days and watching it because I literally read uh, somebody's feedback online. Somebody was talking about wanting to watch start the new Dracula, and somebody commented, like in one of these group pages, uh, it really dips off after the episode, the third episode. Like mm. criticism, like, oh, okay, that's not very fucking good. And then, of course, he was joking. Then I finally go and watch it. Like, fuck, it's only got three episodes. He was kidding. Uh, but anyway, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty. I watched one episode, the first part, and uh, they definitely do their own spin on it. It's got some fun, cheesy fucking uh, practical effects in it that are that are a lot of fun. So I'll let you know how that goes after I'm all the way done with it. I'll probably watch part two tonight. But anyway, any other last bits before we take a break? Uh, Gabe over is pretty good. And, uh, I, uh, also, uh, wa- I watched it, uh, Mindhunter and, uh, I started, uh, fucking DVRing mash. Mash is the shit. 
but you haven't watched I did it yet. Watch it. Yeah, I'm watching through it, baby. It's good. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's funny because you forget it in itself was a period show. Like it, it takes place during the Korean War, but the show was in the 70s into the 80s. Yeah, you were wrong, by the way. There's there's no uh, added laugh track to uh, any of the scenes happening in the ER. It doesn't doesn't happen. Okay, not in the ER. That's my mis- Did I say that? That's what I uh, assumed. No, yeah. I thought. Not in the ER. It always gets serious in the ER, right? Yeah, For the most part. No, yeah. You know, but uh, everywhere else, right? Where they're like in their tents and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, but yeah, but they're still like cracking jokes, but they take it up. But that's the way the whole show was meant to be. Just like deadpan and, and kind of serious and uh, probably more reflective on how war really was. But, mm-hmm. you know, taking the piss out on stuff because how else can you treat the serious subject matter that's going on around you? Uh, mm-hmm. anyway uh, trying to get laid like all those fuckers are married and they're just fucking other bitches hell yeah yeah it's funny except for hawkeye i don't i think he's a swinging bachelor all right guys we're gonna take a break and when we get back we're gonna delve into the flick of the hour which is my choice Brrr, angel hearts be right back the exorcist the possession of the human soul chinatown the mystery of the human mind. Now. Do you know what today today is? Today is Wednesday. It's anything can happen day. My interest in Johnny is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check it out? Check it out. Where are you? I'm just the guy who was paid to snoop around. Harry Angel has been hired to solve more than a mystery. He's dead, Mr. Angel. And if he isn't, he is to me. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. To find more than a killer. We don't go around murdering people, all right, Mr. Angel? of darkness protects the powerful you expect me to swell on that and it may cost him more than his life some religions think that the egg is the symbol of the soul did you know that all i know is johnny's running around bumping off everyone he used to know and more and more it's me who's on the line for it johnny favorite was as close to true evil as she ever wanted to come There's death everywhere these days. You killed them. You're trying to pin it on me. The flesh is weak. Only the soul is immortal. Did you kill him? I got who I am. You gotta burn for this angel. You gotta burn for this angel. In hell, now, now, now. Harry Angel has been hired to search for the truth. Pray he doesn't find it. Angel Heart. Welcome back, puppets. And we're here to talk about Angel Heart. This is my pick. And Zach finally watched it. I watched it. It's been a few months ago now. But, Zach, I want to start off by asking you a question. If you remember me talking about it, when I was trying to sell you on the movie and just kind of talking about my experiences, I said, after watching Angel Heart, I realized that it influenced all these things I didn't realize it influenced. 
And can you tell what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. It predates Jacob's ladder. It influenced. Does it? Yeah, it predates Jacob's ladder. It influenced Jacob's ladder. I think they. I think I was reading something where the director even said, "Uh, it, it, it." I read after the fact that it influenced Silent Hill. The creator of Silent Hill was influenced by Angel Heart, right? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of story, that weird purgatory mm-hmm. thing. And so, uh, because I grew up in a world where I played the Silent Hill games and I've seen Jacob's Ladder, I knew exactly where the movie was going. Right? I didn't. You didn't. I remember you mentioned there was a, a, a twist ending, and uh, I I never knew what it was, and. Uh... Well, we'll talk about when we get to it. Well, I, I, for me, anyway, for me, I had no idea what the movie was about. I had heard about Angel Heart for my whole life. Uh, it was basically the controversy that followed it. That's all I really knew about it because it has Lisa Bonet in it. And she did this movie. Fucking Bill Gobby was like, you ain't going to show your titties unless it's to me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he fucking fired her because she showed her titties in this movie. That was the big controversy. The, the, the Cosby show basically overshadowed the movie itself because the Cosby show was huge. Um, but yeah, because she showed her titties and all that stuff, and the, the subject matter—they were—they were pretty nice titties. And the subject matter about voodoo—I see. Anyway, I didn't know anything about the movie other than that. I had seen like scenes in passing, like on TV growing up, but I never really sat and watched it to gain any context. But would you jack off to that scene though with the titty? That sexy? Yeah, I could. I could. The fucking blood comes out, then you fucking really come. But come harder. I had no idea that it took place in New Orleans. I had no idea of what it was about. I had no idea of like the noir elements, the detective. But I want to hear your take on it since you know you were coming into it for the first time. This is actually based on a book. We should probably tell what the plot is. Go for it. All right, basically fucking our boy of Mickey Rourke. This is pre fucking bubblegum face. He plays a fucking <laughs> uh, private detective. And he gets a call, and he's uh, fucking, yeah, he's like, hey, you need to go find this guy. Here, I'll just I'll read what it says on IMDb. A private investigator is hired by a man who calls himself Lewis Cipher. I repeat, Lewis Cipher. <laughs> to track down a singer named Johnny Favorites. But the investigation takes an unexpected and somber turn, babe. So, tell us about, did you, I, yeah, I read that there was a book, but. Tell us about everything. Like, what was your experience like? Did you like the movie? Did you? What we, you didn't see anything coming? Did you catch the Lewis cipher? I, as soon as I saw, spoiler alert, everybody. As soon as I saw, fucking uh, what's De Niro? Yeah, and he his uh his long fingernails are revealed. I was like, oh, is he the devil? <laughs> the devil's got to have long fingernails. Ah, uh, something about it. I was just like, is he the devil? Because his name's Angel. Uh, this is the devil. He's talking about he he wants this guy, and uh, is that where this is going? And he's being, but he's being really mysterious about why, who hired him. You know, what was his reasons for finding? You know, what I'm saying, like, what what does this guy really have at stake for this? And of course, you know, we know the. As soon as I thought that, I was like, oh yeah, Aaron said there was a twist ending. I probably just figured it out, didn't I? But that wasn't and, all of it, right? Yeah, well, it, he also looks, for some reason, he looked a lot like like Anton LaVey, whatever that fucker's name was. Yeah, Anton LaVey. He looked really dark. You know, he had that weird ponytail. He's wearing all black, and you said he had the nails. He might have even had a cane or something. I can't remember. Yeah, always si- always sitting down like he's, you know, like regal or something, like, you know, the mm-hmm. prince of darkness. He carries himself like that. 
But I didn't catch the Lewis Cipher part because it's not what I didn't catch the name. No, yeah. it's probably one of those things where they intentionally like, let's not say his fucking name over and over and over and over and over again. Let's just kind of keep it. Because at first he's like, how do you pronounce this? Cipher? And he's like, Cipher. You never hear it spoken in one breath. And it's just the last name it, he says once. That was really well done because I think you could abuse that and ruin it. But they, they, they snuck it in there to where you're like, oh, yeah, fuck. You know, we kind of felt the same way Angel Heart did. Like, oh, yeah, fuck. Because isn't that how he reacts? Like, Lewis Cipher, like Lucifer. He just kind of has that like thing, right? Yeah. Like, fuck, it, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But take keep keep chasing us through it, man. What would you think? I thought it was really cool to have a movie set in New Orleans in the Cajun, the 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 voodoo and all that shit, the Haitian background. I had no, yeah. I, I had no, we don't. I had what? I wanted this movie not knowing anything about it. So yeah, I'm kind of like uh, I want to have another watch at it, see what I think. Because uh, now I'm like, yeah, I liked it. It was it was pretty good. But like uh, I'm uh, like before we started, I was comparing it to Jacob's Ladder, and I was like, I kind of like Jacob's Ladder a little better though. You know, uh, so how many like neo noir or flicks like that that we have take place in New Orleans, right? New Orleans, not that many. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a different because it could have easily stayed in New York, right? Because that's where he lived. Yeah, that's the book stays in New York, I guess. Does it really? Mm-hmm. So, going through the flick, man, what did you think about how it? Uh, you, so you didn't get any inkling. Like, what was your opinions? Like, once he was in New Orleans, what was your opinion? Like, where's this movie going? Like, where where did you think? What did you think he was going to find? Because he was looking for that person, right? Yeah, I, I I didn't even start it knowing it was a horror movie or anything. I, I, I didn't know much at all. I didn't either. I thought it was just like, it kind of was. It was this weird, it was this neo-noir slash horror slash supernatural kind of. I'm like, who fucking knows? But it was... It was it was nuts though, but uh, at any so I could see a lot of people being really pissed off by the ending because they probably they might think oh that came out of nowhere what the fuck I didn't see that coming. Like I know a lot of people that watched like uh, from dusk till dawn and didn't like the ending because they never saw it coming. Mm. They think it's just like oh they it's like they wrote half a movie and didn't know how to end it so they just like let's just change the fucking genre. Well, I really fucking dig it, man. So what'd you think? Uh, so you really didn't have any inkling. So he's going through, he's like finding that musician. Cause the guy he's looking for was a musician. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what his name was, but he's like some Delta blues, you know, type thing. Johnny favorites, Johnny favorites. And he's, uh, he's hitting up. Remember he finds that guy that used to play in the band with him, right? Ever. And he's just getting all these clues. Like, where did you think it was going to go? I had no idea. He ran. He runs into his daughter, who plays by Lisa Bonet. Right. He runs into Johnny Favorite's daughter, and things just get fucking crazier from there. I mean, I don't really. I don't. Do you just want to talk about how the, how it ended? If you want, baby. Yeah. So tell me, you didn't see it coming. I thought, how ballsy is that? Like in 1987, and and I, that they have a twist like that where he fucks his own daughter. And because yeah, it turns he out, finds out, yeah, he finds out he's Johnny favorites, and it's all mm-hmm. just this been rat. It's just big, been this big rat race about the devil wanting him. Like, play, I think the devil's just playing with him. Like he got he got his jimmies off by watching this guy torturing himself, and he probably you know reveled in in the moment that he realized you know what what had happened. You know, because he had sold mm-hmm. his soul. Right? Is it the classic? Mm-hmm. I sold my soul for rock and roll. What do you sell a soul for? So like yeah, and then uh, the backstory was cool on how it all happened because uh, I guess was it his lover's family, right? The rich woman that helped concoct this whole thing because the person, the body he's in, 
that Mickey Rourke body was really like some sailor or military guy that had gotten off on leave on a boat on New Year's in, in Times Square. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, what'd they do? Some kind of like ceremony where they transferred the soul because they were into witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Right. Something yeah. like that. So they covered up the bad body because they knew the devil was after him because he had, he had basically sold his soul to the devil for whatever success, fame, whatever it is he did it for, you know, something to do with the music. And, but he didn't, he reneged on his part of the bargain when the, when he had, mm-hmm. when it came time to pay the piper, you know, he freaked out. He, you know, got that girlfriend's wealthy family who were into witchcraft to help him out. And they switched, but switched his body with this fucking military guy. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but don't the whole movie, he's having those flashbacks where he just, it's just like Times Square flashbacks, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which was really well done. Sometimes people fuck up the flashbacks, you know, but this mm-hmm. movie did it right where it's like, what the fuck is that? Like, okay. Cause they don't really give anything away. It's like, okay, Times Square. Like, we don't know. Cause it's like all POV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I fucking I thought I thought it was really good. I really liked it, and uh, I thought Mickey Rourke's performance was exceptional, especially in that moment. He realized when he's having the confrontation with the devil, and he realized he was fucking his daughter. Like his performance, like no, the look on his face because <laughs> he has that perfect fuck my life. But he's in a different person's body, so does it still count? Yeah, but he has that perfect like. He plays it off perfectly where, uh, you know, he realizes, okay, this is who I am. It's all coming back to him. And just that realization that he fucked his daughter and what he's in that room because there's that cop that's trailing him the whole movie. And there's the crime scene. Because mm-hmm. isn't that where it ends? He, the crime scene. And uh, he's just basically says, that's my daughter. You know, kind of like, like a weird half cock smile, but kind of tears in his face. Like, I'm a fucking degenerate. Alpha. It's, it's such a fucking powerful scene. What's the last scene? I can't remember. What's the very last scene? How does it end? I am going down the elevator. Going it keeps cutting back and forth from the end credits. Okay, so uh, I don't know if that does that signifies he's going to hell. Time to pay the piper. Maybe yeah. He's time time to to own up and pay the piper, dude. I I just think it's a tripped out movie. And like I said, I now I it's very I it's very clear. Well, I had read. I think I think that's what blew it for me. I think I read an interview first. Where uh, when I was getting prepped to watch it, the guy from Silent Hill was saying like he took heavy inspiration. I think maybe there's something like that. Like, okay, has to be something to do with some kind of purgatory, some kind of fucking thing. But so I have to sort of like put myself out of mind. Okay, I'm going to pretend I was in 1987 or whatever or 86, whenever this movie came out. And I'm watching this for the first time. And there is no Jacob's Ladder. There is no Silent Hill. There is no movie. No, this or that. You know, you know what I mean? You got to put yourself in that mind frame. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not expecting. I've, I haven't seen a movie like this. Mm-hmm. And and how much would it rock me? So I, I, I'm not hard. On, I try not to be hard on movies that did it first. It's not their. It's not that movie's fault that it was influential. And I just saw all the more influential stuff after. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not the movie's fault. So if I kind of if you kind of look past that, what do you rank it? Um, I, I kind of want to watch it again and uh, for going into it, knowing what it is. And don't want to expect. Like a uh, first time watch, like uh definitely six. What at least. Wow, that's low. That, that's what that's what I thought coming out of it. That's low. Uh I gave it an eight coming out of it. All right. I, I really liked it. I liked the aesthetic. Uh I liked the setting. And I, I have a soft spot for Mickey Rourke. I don't know why the fuck he did what the fuck he did. I, I get it. He for some reason wanted to become an amateur boxer. 
in the 90s and he fucked up his face. That's what they say. So he had to get a bunch of reconstructive surgeries. Right? Yeah, that explains all the fucking uh, the, the, the weird chewed up bubblegum face he got after this movie. Yeah. At some point. Uh, I'm trying to see. The other movies that, let's see, Alan Parker directed. Alan Parker directed Mississippi Burning. Uh, he directed Angela's Ashes. He directed Evita. I didn't know that. Um, he directed Pink Floyd's The Wall. That is a shitty movie that does not live up to the album. I don't. I don't care for it. I thought you said Pink Flamingos. No, Pink Floyd The Wall. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, I think it's great though, man. Oh, he also directed uh, Bugsy. That the let me see. That's the one with Jodie Foster. Cool. Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo plays Bugsy Malone, and Jodie Foster plays Tallulah. Dude, it looks so ridiculous. I think I read that whenever uh, he called De Niro and asked him to be in the movie, he's like, Is, are you the producer of Bugsy or, or some movie? I think that was it. And he's like, yeah. And then De Niro just hung up on like, him. Well, Scott Bay was like a little kid. It's like little kid Bugsy. So it's got to be some kind of satire. Oh. He's like, he's 90, he looks like a little chachi. It's so funny. Uh, no, I think he took some persuading to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. He took some persuading. Uh, they originally wanted Marlon Brando. And there was a, there was a couple different like versions. Before they settled on, because they wanted to make the movie in the early '80s, and they didn't get to to like closer to the end of the '80s. Yeah, I think he could have nailed that role too, but I just think he would have went into Godfather mode, right? Because mm-hmm. the Godfather is kind of a, a similar type of figure, I guess. I don't know. I think De Niro did good, and I think he was in the movie just enough. You could tell De Niro only had to work on the movie for probably a fucking week, right? He's at the beginning mm-hmm. and he's like at the end. Was the scene? Wait, there's the initial scene in the office. There's a scene in the church, and there's whatever there is at the end. Uh, I figure because it, it builds him as a special appearance by De Niro. But I, but I think he's got more of a media role than special appearance. I don't. I think he deserves more than that. But I, it's fine though. I think Mickey Work was fucking great. I gave it an eight, and honestly, I want to watch it again. And I, I think it's the kind of movie that could go up a little. So I don't know. I just really dig it because I love those first two silent hill games and the stories behind them. And I like Jacob's ladder. I like this better than Jacob's ladder, but I haven't seen Jacob's ladder in a long time. So I kind of want to revisit that. You know, mm-hmm. I've only watched Jacob's ladder one time and I think I watched it 10 years ago. So, uh, every fucking scene of Jacob's ladder, I think is fucking just great. Yeah. Maybe I should re- rewatch that soon. I don't know if it's streaming or not, but I've been wanting to watch it, but yeah, I mean, I like all that shit so much that I feel like, I feel like I'm being more generous to this movie, right? Because it came first and it did this kind of shit before those movies that were, were big or those games that were big or whatever. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I fucking dig it. But uh, one thing with me though, is I, I never seem to like these uh, just kind of a, a private eye going through following these threads and it's all kind of leading up to the big reveal at the end, like who done it. Mm-hmm. But then in this one, it's like, yeah, because there's a, he's going through like people are probably like oh they talk about the news more than they talk about the movie like it's really hard to talk about because it's just like okay one lead leads to this guy this other lead leads to this guy because he learns some new things there's that scene uh with, like uh who is it the the doctor that has all the drugs in his uh apartment yeah oh yeah that he has you know he gets end up getting shot he's like in his yeah, yeah he's raiding his apartment. And I noticed, like, I noticed things like that, like, oh, how's good whenever uh, the the freaking guy shot himself, he picked up the gun and started wiping off his, like, he started wiping it as if he touched it. It's like, just leave it there. He he killed himself. 
but it never like oh he must want the gun so he can use it but really it's just it's playing into the end when you find out oh he did kill him and he's just kind of like uh-huh like the part with the gumbo the uh the, the guy in the gumbo like uh they they pass the gumbo and he's like yeah we're cooking some stuff for tonight and like uh later on he uh he has like a flashback and then whenever he comes back to the guy's gone so he runs and sees the guy like laying in the gumbo and he picks him up and looks at him he's all red and then he just drops him back in the gumbo <laughs> i remember laughing at that like he just put him back in it what an idiot <laughs> but then it like comes back and it, oh okay he's the one that drowned him in it yeah i think it is it, it is one of it just you talking about it and all those little details it makes me want to go back and watch it because it's one of those flicks that i think you get something out of you know, and you catch little things um, if you go back at, at least a second time around. Yeah, that's why I want to watch it, too. I, I think it could go up, too. Yeah. What are the highlights and what are the low points? I mean, if you have an initial, like, six, you got to have, like, some downsides to it, right? Um, Just because it's kind of like a movie I never get much out of. Like, uh, just kind of the, the, the downtime in between, like, finding out uh-huh. where where all the plot threads are leading. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, something about a setup like that, my my mind tends to wander. Okay. So, I, yeah, I want to watch it knowing it's something more than that now. What are the upsides, like, when you watched it? What do you think are the highlights? Um, yeah, if I, like, uh, Mickey Rourke's good in it. Uh, why, why'd he ever, like, start doing plastic surgery? Like, what about him? Was he just like, oh, I don't like uh, this about my face? Well, that's what he claims. So in the 90s, I don't know if his acting started drying up or if he stopped acting to, to pursue boxing because I think he was into boxing before he acted like amateur. But somewhere in the 90s, for whatever reason, he decided to try and take his hand at, like, he tried to become a boxer and he was doing, like, the, the indie circuit, the the amateur circuit. And as an actor, you don't, you probably don't want to be a boxer. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I didn't even know that. I figured he just thought he looked old or something. No, well, he was pretty young in the '90s when this happened. He wasn't that old. Well, I mean, he's actually yeah. kind of an older guy. Like he's how old's fucking Mickey Rourke? He's older than you think he is. I mean, he looks mm-hmm. like the Crypt Keeper now, but when you start adding up when he made movies like Nine and a Half Weeks and 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 this movie, it doesn't seem like he'd be that old. But no, that's the story. Is he fucked his nose up? Because when you're a boxer, man, your nose is gonna get broke. And he broke his nose multiple mm-hmm. times. He eventually had to do reconstructive surgery. And who knows what happened from there? Maybe he had to do certain re- reconstructive surgery on parts of his face. And he's like, well, now I got to fucking do the rest of my face. Because I look mm-hmm. fucking, you know, and he probably got a little carried away. Who fucking know? And then, of course, he aged badly with it. The first movie that I recall seeing him with surgeries was uh, Double Team. This Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman movie. Well, no. So that's why I'm inclined to think that he started boxing because his career was going down the shitter. Because Maybe. in the mid 90s, right? Because he did this movie called Harley Davis and the Marlboro Man in 1990, which, by the way, I've been begging Zach to do for the longest time. It's such a B movie, but I fucking love it. It's, 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 it's just kind of one of those movies that time forgot. Like it was in theaters. It was probably going up against a movie that was much bigger. It was probably going, and it just kind of fell by the wayside, but it had Don Johnson. It had Mickey Rourke has big John stud in it. And uh, it's a buddy movie, right? They're not cops. They're bikers, but it's a buddy movie the same way. Right. That fight. What do they fight again? Like fucking ninja bikers or something. No, it's this fucking evil, corrupt bank owner who's also smuggling drugs, and he's got these goons that have bulletproof fucking vests and headed up by Daniel Baldwin. They're not ninjas. They just have okay. – it's it's ridiculous, but in my household, we love that movie. We put it on a high pedestal because it's just 
it's just been so ingrained in our family. It's great. It's really quotable too. Anyway, he looked fine in that movie. He looked like Mickey Rourke and that was 90. And so somewhere between 90 and 95, the shit went south. I don't know because he showed up in double team and he didn't look as bad as he did in the wrestler, but he had had a couple surgeries. You could tell, right? Mm-hmm. So, and if he was doing, if he was playing the bad guy, the villain in a movie like Double Team with Jean-Claude Van Damme and fucking Dennis Rodman, if he was playing second fiddle to Dennis Rodman, I think his options were drying up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, like once the movie about halfway through, when it becomes clear that this, there's something paranormal going on and it's not just a simple, like who done it, that's about when I started getting more invested in it. So yeah, watching it again, I'll probably... You got me one to watch okay. it again. And I this is a movie that I could say I would love to own. And I wish... I, I know they have a 4K... They just released a 4K uh, in European regions and what like... And, and I know it's region free, so... But I'm always afraid to sit there and import something and pay more. Because if something got released in Europe, I feel like it's only a matter of time before it's going to be here, too. Mm-hmm. So... But I would, I'd be all about a 4K of that. If it's 4K, though, you don't have to worry about it not being the right. Uh, well, that's what I'm. Like that's that. what I'm saying. But I'm gonna pay more importing mm-hmm. it, right? So it's like, but and I'm always afraid to to jump into that because watch, I I did it with Hellraiser. Okay, the the Arrow Hellraiser set. Um, I got the Hellraiser Arrow box set for one through three because it wasn't in America and they released it in uh region two or whatever that is Europe. And so I got that literally a couple of weeks after I got that, they announced the American one and it was way better. And I have both now <laughs> like the European uh, Hellraiser box set. It's, it's kind of cool that I have both because they're totally different packaging. So I'm happy with it, but like it's, if you want to buy the Hellraiser movies in America by arrow individually, it's it's basically all those individual cases with their individual like unique artwork in in a in a neat little cardboard box, right? Whereas the one in America they released that is an entire box set where you open it up and there's flaps and stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of have the best of both worlds, but it it happens all the fucking time. So if they just put that out, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna see how it looks around this year, and and I'll, I might pull the trigger after this year. But it is really good. I dug it. Um. I don't know. It was my kind of flick as somebody that loves movies and as somebody that would love to make a full-time living, making movies, coming up with ideas, writing scripts. This is the kind of movie I wish I made, right? I'm not, maybe I'd do my own thing with it, you know, or I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, but like in 1987 or 86, whatever, if I had this idea, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's go forward with this. Let's, let's do this. This is a cool idea. This could work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could probably say the same thing about Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you got any final comments on the flick, man? I think for me, the highlight, I think Mickey Rourke, the movie's good too, but it's not, but Mickey Rourke, uh, like I said, he was in uh, Pope of Greenwich Village. You know, he was in Diner, which I think was a big one for him that might have blew him up was Diner. Uh, nine and a half weeks. He elevates every movie he was in. I, like I said, Harley Davidson, the Marble Man, both him and Don Johnson are fucking hilarious. Is the movie like fantastic? No. Underneath its aesthetic of like bikers, right? <laughs> it's just, mm. it's just your run of the mill 80 style buddy cop movie. Only they're bikers, right? Oh, mm. it's like, it's a, it's the buddy cop movie where you're going up against the big bad drug dealer who's smuggling drugs on the street and for kids. It, it's been done a million times, but they're so fucking funny in it. It's kind of like a poor man's lethal weapon, like the way they interact with each other, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. He's one of those guys that elevates everything, kind of like Michael Keaton. So I dig it. 
I like I said, right now it's sitting at an eight. It might go up higher. This is actually one of those movies that back when it came out on uh, VHS, they had an R-rated and unrated version too. Yeah, well, no, at, I think it got an NC-17. Mm-hmm. I think when it because of the sex scene, yeah, the sex scene was pretty uh, raunchy and everything else. And I'm pretty sure the uh, the controversy and the news it was getting with the Cosby Show shit, you know, didn't help. Yeah, did she completely get fired after the movie, or was like I was reading that some people were saying it was one of those situations, like uh, with Three's Company, where Suzanne Summers kind of got fired, but they still had her like come back to do like weird little, well, like uh, not even with the rest of the cast, but she's in like her own little room and she's just on the phone talking to like. Cosby over the phone. Lisa Bonet left the show and went on to do a different world, which was a spinoff technically because she played her same character, but she did her own mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah. So I don't really know. I mean, obviously, if she was doing a different world, I have to imagine Bill Cosby produced that show too. Mm-hmm. So there's, she still had a connection there, but I, I he was criticizing her nonstop. There was inner inter. She probably refused to take his fucking happy pills and fall asleep on his couch. You had you nailed it at the beginning. Like, you were supposed to let me shoot my rope on you, you know? Uh, Here's a fun fact. The American TV version, presumably in order to make up for time lost in editing the controversial sex scene out, added footage that was not included in either the R-rated or unrated version. And it added footage that mostly made up for flashbacks to the war and other various oddities and actually helped explain some of the more vague points of the movie. Hmm. I remember seeing that like uh, on the TV version, the sex scenes there, but they're clothed Mm -hmm. and throughout it, it keeps like flashing back to him in a war on it. Yeah. You know what's funny, guys? I would read questions, but since we haven't done this in like a couple of months, I have no idea where, you know, I can't even begin to go back and search right now. So we'll have to read a whole bunch of questions for next time. Uh, and I'll mm-hmm. make, we'll make up for it. And next time is going to be Zach's choice. Zach, do you have any ideas what you're going to make me sit through? Oh, I was thinking, uh, yeah, maybe I'll do, uh, I got, um, once Upon a Time in Paradise, ready to go, the uh, Larry Clark movie. And then I was like, well, yeah, Adrian Mendoza like that. Or should I go with the other Larry Clark movie, uh, uh, Ken Park, the one with all the really crazy stuff on it that I've warned you about. And then there's a part of me that's like, I kind of want to freaking make him watch uh, Sixth Sense because he's never watched it. And uh, I think it's a good uh, ghost movie. I think he'll like it. Am I still going to like it? No, it's it's just like a crying game. Like I ever... The twist. Everybody knows the twist, even if you haven't seen the movie. It's just like, Luke, I am your father. I see dead people in the crying game. Am I still going to like it, even though I know what's coming? I might, because I can, like, pick out all the little intricacies and things, right, that they're dancing around, you know, that they have to do with with the story as it progresses, so you don't reveal that he's a, you know, you don't ruin the twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, choose whatever you want, man. If you you want to shock me, shock me. If you want me to watch fucking M. Night Shyamalan, a ding dong, I will. That's fine. Maybe I'll uh, I'll leave it open and uh, like uh, let me know, Adrian. What do you think? What do you want him to watch? Uh, oh, you're putting in Adrian's I'll hands. Pick what, yeah, I'll pick, out of those three, what uh, what you want me to pick? I'll pick whichever. All right, the choice is yours, Adrian. You hold it. It's not a vote. It's up to Adrian. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you guys come back for more Cinema Enema. Apologies once again that it's been a couple of months. Hopefully forgive us, but we're going to go back to our monthly. And if you dig these, man, and if you want to clamor for more, if you don't think we're doing enough cinema anima, even at once a month, let us know. I'm not sure it's something we could do more than once a month, but 
you know, we might, we, if your voice is loud enough, we might make it work. You never know, but let us know. Uh, opinions, opinions are always appreciated. Questions are always great. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out uh, all of our other shows. Obviously, the mainstay show. We got the BTM uh, commentary. That's once a week. If you guys aren't familiar, usually go up every single Wednesday. We do a new flick. Uh, we're kind of all over the map with the kind of films we do. Mac and Zach save the world. Zach does that with Mac as the title insinuates. And that's uh, definitely in a horse of a different color. That's a fucking wacky fucking. Well, how would you describe Mac and Zach to people that don't know? Freaking uh, Bill and Ted on crack. Bill and Ted on crack. We also are housing the archivals of Exploited Cinema podcast. Uh, basically, they did video reviews, very old school commentary. Uh, they do some commentaries, but very old school podcast stuff. I mean, they've been dead and dormant for some years, but um, one of the hosts, they're, they're letting, allowing us to host those episodes. So those are going up once a week. And so that's a shit ton of comment for those of you that like your films greasy, right? Um, other stuff. I got to pick Deep End back up. I keep saying mm-hmm. every time I do one, I'm like, Okay, I'm gonna commit. I gotta, I gotta make, I gotta make time and do once a month at least. Six months goes by, mm-hmm. you know. So I feel like I gotta do. I've had some people asking about a new deep end, so I gotta maybe put one of those together soon. So, but anyway, check us out on all social media. You can kind of keep up with what we're doing and our schedule and the things we got coming out uh, by following us on all the usual places. We're everywhere: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that BS. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube. That's fantastic. Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that dumb stuff. And make sure you guys are looking in the descriptions below those videos because it'll take you to the podcast services. You might be listening to us on a podcast service right now, but if not, go over to iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or Stitcher. Uh, Give us a sub over there. Leave us a five-star rating. That stuff is going to go super far for us. You know, we live in an age where it's getting harder and harder to stay relevant, especially on a place like YouTube. That's just fucking the go in the way of the dodo, right? I mm-hmm. the people that are trying to make it as like YouTubers, quote unquote, like real YouTubers, they they have it hard. <laughs> they got they got an uphill battle ahead of it. So we'd rather people really migrate and give us all the attention they can over to where we really thrive and where our home really is because we're podcasting. So go over to those podcast services and at least five star radius. Maybe give us a sentence or two of feedback, whatever you want to do, and then keep listening to on YouTube if you want. Do do all of it. It's all good. But that's all we got for now. Zach, any last words? Uh, let's uh, everybody send us pictures of your dicks. Uh, well said. All right. Bye-bye, puppets.